0: You're listening to the River City Church Podcast. Our desire is that you know Jesus, experience freedom, find community, and discover purpose. For more information, check us out on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co. Here's the message. All right, let's, let's dive into the message today. If you've got your Bibles, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 1. And we're in the second part of a series, if you missed the first, you can catch it on our podcast, but uh, we're in a series uh, called Unpause, How to Break Spiritual Stagnation. How to Break Spiritual Stagnation. Uh, here's what I know, everything in our life, whether we recognize it or not, is spiritual on some level. So our relationships matter to God. Our marriage matters to God. Our family, our jobs, our businesses, our, the, our, our parenting, uh, everything in our life at its root has a foundation that if it's spiritually strong, it can become healthy and be all that God intends for it to be. Uh, but it's, it's also true that when things are spiritually stagnant, things become unhealthy. So as we start this new year, I know many of you may be writing out uh, New Year's resolutions, setting goals. I, I've got goals this year that my wife and I have taken uh, time to pray through and, and set for our family, our, our, our household, our church, all of that. And I think there's an importance in that. Uh, but, but today I want to target something that I believe is the reason why 92% of, of uh, you'd say, resolutions tend to fail within the first month. Uh, 92% of resolutions. I think it comes down to what I want to talk to you about today. And if you're taking notes, the subtitle is what moves you. What moves you? Stagnation is when things stop moving. Stagnation is when, if it's in the case of a river, the water's no longer flowing. uh, The water is staying still. If it's in the case of our own lives, it's something isn't advancing that should be advancing. And God wants you to advance. Can I just tell you that? God wants you to move forward in every area of your life. He wants you free, he wants your your family whole, he wants you walking in the promise of God, and at the foundation of all of that, I believe, is our faith. And when our relationship with Jesus is strong, it affects every other area of our life. Religion leads us to spiritual stagnation. But a relationship with Jesus is meant to grow. My faith is meant to grow. I, I said this last week, but I want to at the end of this year, and more importantly, at the end of my life, I want to love God more than I do right now. I want to love people more than I do right now. So, so I, I want things to grow in my life. I want to grow in my faith. I want to grow in, in the, my, how my relationships are, all of it, everything that concerns my life. So at the heart of what moves you and I is, I believe, the reason why. It's the reason why. It's it's what motivates you. It's what keeps you. It's what sustains you. It's your why. So as we look at this, 1 Samuel chapter 1, we're going to see a woman who was moved past disappointment, moved past misunderstanding and mistreatment, and possessed the promise of God. Uh, 1 Samuel 1, verse 1 says, Now there was a certain man of Ramathaim of Zephim, uh, of the mounds of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah. And here's what it says in verse 2. He had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of The other one was Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. So, so that's the difference. So he's, he's got two wives. Penina has children. Hannah has no children. Verse three, this man went up from this city yearly to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And also the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord were there. I'll describe them in a minute. Uh, but let's just say that the spiritual condition of their life and the house of God and the, the, thus the nation was in really bad shape. Uh, verse four, whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, He would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters, but to Hannah, he would give a double portion. He would give twice as much. He would give a double portion for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. She's, in fact, the name Hannah means favored. So she's favored by God. She's loved by her husband, but there's something in her experience that seems to contradict that. It says the Lord had closed her womb. There was a delay in her being able to have children. So Penina is there, and Penina's like fertile myrtle. <laughs> There's always gonna be people around you that seem to have the very thing you've been longing for, that seem to be experiencing the very thing you've been praying for, that have been uh, the, the very thing you've been waiting and trusting God for. And, and, and right next to Hannah, Right next to Penina is Hannah, and, and Penina has children, but Hannah does not have children. But even though she doesn't have children yet, she is favored. Even though there was something in her experience that was disconnected, she was a double portion person. And I just believe that double portion people will often initially live with a contradiction, but it's always because God has something greater and something higher for them. And I don't want you to ever get disappointed or get stuck in delay because things have yet to work out. There's always a gap between where we are right now and and the fullness of what God has promised for you and I in every area. But it's important that in that place, that gap, we don't quit, we don't give up, we don't throw in the towel. If you're taking notes, write this down. We'll have it on the screen for a moment. Uh, Number one is that problems will either provoke your flesh or provoke your faith. I want you to see this with Hannah. Hannah. So Hannah in verse 6, it says, her rival provoked her severely. So it's not enough that, you know, Penina's got like, you know, has to bring a bus to bring all our kids to Shiloh, uh, but, but, but she provokes her. She's actively pointing out to Hannah what's missing. She's critiquing, she's well, well, too bad you don't have. Too bad things aren't working out for you. you know, and so she's actively provoking her to make her miserable. I'm sorry that some people feel like it's their calling in life to make other people's life miserable. Some people are a blessing and some people are a lesson. Okay. <laughs> I won't preach that right now. Panina's name means Pearl. And I think it's interesting. A pearl is beautiful, but it's created through irritation. (laughs) So it was year by year, verse 7, when she went up to the house of the Lord, that Penina provoked Hannah. Therefore, it got to the point where Hannah couldn't even eat, she was weeping. And in the midst of a problem, all of us have a choice. When there's a delay, or when there's a disappointment, or where there's an active pain, or irritation, or discomfort, wherever we're at in that place, maybe you, today you've got some things in your life that didn't work out the way you expected. And, and we've, in our culture, because of things like social media, we have every day we scroll and see all the peninas. Paninas all the ones that have everything that we want to have or, or think we should have or, or whatever it is. And, and we see other people that seem to be blessed in the very things we've been asking God for. And you can let your problems provoke your faith they, or, or, or provoke your flesh. They can make you bitter. They can make you uh, disgruntled. They can make you quit. They can make you discouraged. But Hannah, even though she's weeping, does something. She allows her faith to be provoked. We'll see that in just a moment. And I believe in all of our lives, that's our choice. We can, as a believer in Jesus, you can let problems create something for you or, or, or break you down. And she, she, she moves because of this pain, because of this problem, because of this. She moves to, she, she goes to the presence of God. When your faith is provoked, a few things I believe happen. When your faith is provoked, you begin to get unstuck. You get out of stagnancy. You get out of that place of, of things no longer advancing. And when your faith is provoked, you step into something greater. I just want to tell you stop looking at the other people and wondering why they have what you think you should have or what you've even been promised. Can I just tell you? Maybe for the reason for the delay is because you're going to carry what they're not carrying. If I could just help some people, when you're a double portion person, when you're somebody who's had delay, you know in our culture, we like things easy. We're used to, I mean, I, I'm old enough, just old enough to remember when you had to sit for 30 minutes to get a busy signal just to look, get onto the internet. <laughs> and, and, and you'd listen for that, you either got a busy signal or a dial. <laughs> that was a happy day, just to so get on and check your email. And and, and we're we're conditioned for things instantly, instant gratification, path of least resistance. I think that's part of why 92% of resolutions fail, because we realize some things, we have intentions for things to change, but there's not a strong enough reason for that change, a strong enough desire to push us past the problem and past the pain. The moment things become difficult or hard or delayed, we give up. In the Bible, there's two kings. They would come a generation later. One was Saul. Saul was given everything quickly and early, but Saul lacked the character to keep what God had given him. David, by contrast, had a longer process of preparation and most of David's preparation was not in public. It was in secret where nobody could celebrate and nobody could understand and nobody could see. But of the two, one of their kingdoms lasted and one of them didn't endure. David in the secret place developed the character. While while there was an extended delay, it was because God had greater and God had higher. And and while there was a waiting time, it was to prepare David for that. David became a king before he had a crown or a throne to sit on. And do you know what happens when your faith is provoked? You step into a kingdom identity. We have the biggest generation, the biggest identity crisis, I believe, in human history right now. We have more things, but we're no more peaceful. We have more knowledge, but we don't know who we are any more than we did before. In fact, I think we're more confused. But here's what happens when you begin to say yes to God, and you discover what his word promises, and you, you step into, when you, faith provokes you, when, when you don't see, but you say, I'm a child of God. I've got a promise from God. And he's going to answer, you step into something that this world can't give you. It's your kingdom identity. It comes from God. I'm not my problem. Too many people are identified by their pain, by their problem, by their circumstance. But you're not your pain. You're not your past. You're not your situation. You are who God says you are and what God has called you to do. When your faith is provoked, you're never the same. So so Elkanah, her husband, verse 8, says to Hannah, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat something? Why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than 10 sons? But even though he said this, there was still something missing for Hannah. And and Hannah wasn't gonna let it go. So verse nine, she arose after they finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, verse nine. "Uh, Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. This This was God's house, the tent, the tabernacle of meeting. Is where people would come to worship, sacrifice, uh, praise, all of that. And and Hannah, after the meal, she doesn't say anything else, she just goes to God. And I think sometimes we're conditioned in delay to complain and have our, our flesh provoked and worry about things and wonder if things will ever change instead of going to God with them. She, she didn't go to, even to her husband. She didn't, she didn't even talk through. And I think it's important to have that open communication, share your, all of that. But sometimes we're looking for somebody to be the answer and people will disappoint, but God is the answer. God's the only one who could fulfill what Hannah needed. God was the only one who could provide what she had been desiring and dreaming for. And so she arises and goes to the place where the temple, the tabernacle was, and, uh, and Eli, the high priest, is sitting there. And he's sitting on the seat. And uh, let me just give you a quick background of Eli. Eli. is the high priest. And at this point in Israel's history, things are about as low spiritually as they could be. They still have a tabernacle and they still give lip service to the God of Israel. But the priesthood was corrupted. From the top down, the spiritual leadership of Israel had been compromised and Eli was, was a very passive leader. And because he was passive, his sons, Hophni and Phinehas, allowed wickedness and sin in the tabernacle and they compromised their values and their faith. And Eli allowed such a low spiritual condition that it wouldn't be much longer before these words were said, the glory has departed. I know we can still have Potlucks. I know we can still have services, and I know we can still gather as the church, but the thing that makes the church the church is the presence of God. The thing that changes people's lives is the presence of God. Eli had a religious institution he led, but he's stagnant. And Hannah comes up to him, and she's weeping, and she's crying out to God, and here's what she prays. Let me read it to you. She was in bitterness of soul, verse 10. And she prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. And then she made a vow and she said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant, remember me and not forget me. But give your maidservant a male child. I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. And no razor shall come upon his head. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. And Hannah spoke in her heart. Only her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. And so Eli said to her, how long are you going to be drunk? Put your wine away from you. <laughs> Eli's name means lofty. He's, he's sitting in his chair judging her, judging her condition, judging her motivation. And, 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 but, but she had a reason why. She's weeping. She had a reason why she's crying out. I know it didn't fit the pattern and box of how you were supposed to act at the tabernacle. And so the, the stagnant one misunderstood the passionate one. People who are comfortable in stagnation will always attack those that want to change. Point number two is this, breakthrough happens when my desire for change becomes greater than my desire to stay the same. I think most people can look at their life and say, I want this area to change or that area. I want my relationship with my kids to be better. I want my my communication to be better. I want how I do my finances to be better. We have lots of areas where we could say, I want things to be better. Everybody wants things to be different or better, but fewer people experience real lasting change. I think it comes down to the issue of desire. Because at some point, your desire for change has to exceed, exceed your desire for things to stay the same. Because when things are the same, you're comfortable. I know we don't talk about it all the time, but you know, comfort has become like an idol for us in our culture. We, we like comfort, and, and comfort isn't bad by itself. But, but when we become comfortable, we go, ah, oh, it's too hard. It's too hard to pray. It's too hard. I'd love for my faith to grow, but, but I just don't have time. I, I, I just, and we, we have all kinds of reasons why, but you know what I've realized is today's excuses are gonna to be tomorrow's regrets. And she, she says, why, he says, Eli says to Hannah, why are you doing this? Why are you drunk? And, 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 and she responds, she says, no, my Lord, I'm a woman of sorrowful spirit. I've drunk neither wine or intoxicating drink, but i poured out my soul before the Lord. She gives her reason why. She says, don't consider your maidservant a wicked woman for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief, I've spoken until now. So Eli says, go in peace. The God of Israel, grant your petition, which you've asked him. She said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went away, ate, and her face was no longer sad. Verse 20, in the process of time, Hannah conceived and bore a son. She called his name Samuel, She said, because I have asked him from the Lord. See, I believe what moves us is our reason why. It's at the issue of desire. Here's what James said, the letter of James. It says that temptation happens not because God tempts us, God doesn't tempt with evil, but each one is tempted when we're drawn by our own desires and enticed. So so it's not true that the devil made me do it. There is a tempter, but here's what we need to realize is he only tempts with what we already desire. And if I want things to change, I change at the root, at the core of it, at the heart, at the issue of desire. That's why religion doesn't work because religion is outward rules, outward lists. It's us saying, here's the 15 things you shouldn't do. And and we can conform to that for a season. We can allow shame to drive us to, oh, I I gotta do better, I gotta try harder. And, And we change things outwardly, but until the desire on the inside is dealt with, we don't experience real and lasting freedom. Each one is drawn by his own desires so if I want something to be different if I want to be free of something if I want to move forward in an area of my life my desire has to change let me just give you a quick key to change desires change what you're feeding on just like your physical body you'll desire certain foods that you begin to eat regularly even if they were previously like everybody likes cake or ice cream, or and that's all good. I love ice cream, but, but, but it's easy to like those things. It's a lot harder to like your veggies. Can all the parents say amen? But the more you eat what you need, the more you develop an appetite for it. It's no different with the word of God. When I've spent my whole life apart from God, disconnected from the life of God, I'm not going to yet desire his word, but something begins to happen on the inside where God creates a hunger. As I enter into a relationship with Jesus and I begin to go to his word every day, I feed on what's going to build a foundation. And the more I feed on it, the more I'll desire it. Psalm 37, verse 3 says, Trust in the Lord, do good, dwell in the land, feed on his faithfulness. Verse four is, is really important. Delight yourself also in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. Put him first, as, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will bring it to pass. So what's the key? Trusting, delighting, committing. But right at the heart of that is delight. Delight is, deals with the issue of Desire if we delight in God, if we delight ourselves in the Lord, the result is he then begins to fulfill the deepest desires of our heart, the things that we really need. Now, I know there's some things for seasons where we go, man, I really need this, I really want that, and we really don't need it. But there's some core things at the heart of who God has created us to be that, that nothing in this world can fill. And God's gonna meet the desire of the heart, but the key is to first do this. It's not just that God fulfills the desires of our heart. If he did that without the first thing, we wouldn't be changed. But it starts with this, delight yourself in the Lord. Here's how the New Testament says it. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom. His righteousness and all the things you needed would worry about, strive after, they'll be added. In other words, God will provide what we need. He'll meet the desire of the heart. So so if you're single and you're waiting for your spouse, just keep seeking Jesus. Because you don't want to settle today when God has something better. I'm going to talk about relationships in a few weeks. That's going to be fun. But God, God knows how to bring the right person at the right time. Okay? He knows how to bring the right person at the right time. He knows how to open that door. He knows how to provide that job. He knows how to make a way and bring that promotion. He knows all of that. So, so that's fine. But here's what we should do. At the beginning of this year and every day, go, God, I'm going to delight myself in you first. I'm going to seek you. And what begins to happen as we spend time with Jesus first, he begins to transform our desires. There's some things that I live for that I realize were just self-centered. But then as I began to spend time with Jesus, I began to love other people, have a desire to see the world impacted for Jesus. In fact, if I can do this, if I can give you quickly, uh, six things that I believe are, for me, they're motivations. They're they're, They're six of my reasons why. In fact, I think they're fundamental as a believer. But, 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 Maybe one or two or, or all of these apply to you, or maybe this will inspire you to get your reason why. The first one is that I, I want freedom from what's holding me back. That's my first reason why. Anytime I identify there's something that's holding me back and moving forward, I, I, I was just reading, I'm doing the one-year Bible, and I was reading uh, the story recently of, of uh, Jacob and Esau. Esau sells his birthright for a bowl of soup. Like he sells out his future for such a temporary, I mean, hopefully it was a really good bowl of soup. But it still wasn't, no matter how good that bowl of soup was, it wasn't worth his future. (laughs) It wasn't worth his future. So we want to, we want, we want freedom from what's holding us back. So any area that's keeping you from moving forward in your faith, forward in God, growing your, your character, whatever it is, we want to have freedom. How do I, here's, here's a criteria from the Bible I use to identify things that I may need freedom from. 1 Corinthians 6.12, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. So, so just because something is legal doesn't mean it's helpful. Just just because it's legal doesn't mean it's helpful to me, but let me just take it further. He says, All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. That that speaks to what's actually ruling the, the show. That's what's actually dictating our desires. That's what's actually keeping us from moving forward. Number two, or the second one is to be closer to Jesus. My second reason why, the thing that motivates change in my life, one is to be free from what's holding me back, but also to be closer to the one who gave everything for me. You can have more of God. In fact, you can have as much of God in your life this year as, as, as he can pour out. But more importantly, you'll have as much as you want to have. You'll have as much as you have room and desire for. If you're hungry for God, he'll meet you. If you'll cry out to God, he'll answer like Hannah. He'll provide, he'll be there. So so but here's here's the key. When I entered into a relationship with Jesus and he became Lord of my life, something did change. Yes, I went from my 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 future, I was on my way to hell, and then he changed my trajectory on my way to heaven, but he also changed something on the inside of my life. And when he became Lord, it was no longer because before Jesus, it was about what I wanted. Are you with me? And then when he became Lord, it became about what he wanted. And I actually found out what he wanted was better than anything I wanted. What he wanted was so much greater than what I could come up with, than what I was willing to settle for. So to be closer to Jesus, what does he want? The third thing that motivates me is to experience God's best. I want everything that Jesus paid a price to give me. I want every promise, I want every, I, I want to find out what God's doing in my life, and what God wants to bring, and what God wants to fulfill. In fact, I want to live a life that's blessable. We don't earn the blessings of God, we don't, God's wanting to bless everybody and anybody, but here's what, what I know, there's some things that I start that he can't bless. There's some things I do my way that he can't bless, but as I begin to lay that down and say, God, what do you want for my life? Then I find out what he's blessing. I want everything God has. I want to experience God's best. The, the next thing, three more. The next thing that motivates me, the next reason why is to impact the world. Most of my desires used to be self-centered, but, but all of a sudden, as you begin to be around Jesus, you realize we were created to impact the world. We were created to turn the world upside down, church. We were created to, in, in fact, I love this, God's desire, the desire of his heart was to send a Samuel. If you don't know, Samuel would become, other than Elijah, like the greatest prophet of the Old Testament era. He would bring revival to the nation. He would be the one that would, he was the last of the judges. He would be the one to to lead Israel's spiritual condition. He'd bring revival to the nation and break the spiritual famine. Up to that point, it says the word of the Lord was rare. People stopped listening to God. God stepped speaking to them. And then Samuel shows up and God begins to speak again. God begins to speak to Samuel and then brings his word to the nation and breaks the spiritual drought. God's desire Do you know God has a desire on his heart for you too? And his desire is to work through your life. God is so amazing that he can take the things that we pray for today and not only use them to bless our life, but bless through our life. What if God helped you start that business and gave you that idea and blessed the work of your hands, but he did it so that he could see people who are far from God come close? so that he could bless generations and break the curse of poverty and he could transform lives and change our city. What if we were called to impact the world? And when your life becomes changed, you begin to change the lives of others. The fifth thing that motivates me is to see a legacy that matters, to leave a legacy, excuse me, leave a legacy that matters. God actually calls Abraham and and God himself said this in Genesis 18, I've chosen Abraham, Father Abraham, you know, that guy. Chose him, here's why. Yes, his faith, and yes, he trusts God, but here's why. God actually says, I've chosen Abraham because he will teach future generations. I've made myself known to him because he will make me known. And I want to leave a legacy that matters. Because I believe that God's not just a God of Abraham, he's a God of Isaac, and he's a God of Jacob. God is after generations after us. Do you know what my, my heart's desire and prayer right now? I'm 38 right now, but I'm still, I'm praying. I got three awesome kids. I'm praying that one day when, when I go to heaven, they're going to surround my bed with all the people who are spiritual sons and daughters too because legacy isn't just financial or relational. It's spiritual. And I want the next generation to say, we got this. We're going to take it from here. We're going to take it further than you did. That, that's my heart's desire. I want us to leave a legacy that surpasses us. What if we prepared for a generation we would never see? The last thing that motivates me is to, for, to change is to live with eternity in mind. It's interesting, though we believe in heaven and we believe in eternity as Christians, we live as if it's not there. People enter into eternity all the time, every day. But as a believer in Jesus, you're, you have a home in heaven. But there's also something the Bible tells us that what we do in this short time, this short span. When I was younger, you think you live forever. And then when you're older, you realize how short time is. But what's important to recognize is what we do with the time we have. And that what I do in this life is for eternity. 1 Corinthians 3, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is, is Christ Jesus. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it. That's the capital D, day. There is a day where everything secret will be in the open. There is a day where everything that used to matter will no longer matter. And the things that always mattered will be that much more apparent. There will be a day where what was built with Precious stones and silver and gold. And that's not talking about earthly precious stones. That's talking about the values and the things done for the kingdom that last forever. He says, if anyone builds on that foundation with those things, they last. But some things are wood, hay, and stubble. And it says the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. That means what we build is meant to have an impact in eternity. What we build is gonna be tested one day. And it may not be celebrated here, it may not be recognized by others, but what you do for eternity matters. I, I think some of the most celebrated people in heaven one day aren't gonna be the great, and I believe in missionaries and pastors and evangelists and all those things, but what if there's some praying grandmas that nobody ever celebrated, but they brought their whole family into the kingdom because they cried out to God like Hannah. Nobody was there to say, man, good job, let's post a selfie. But they were storming heaven on behalf of their sons and daughters and granddaughters and they changed a generation and only heaven saw. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself, speaking of Christians, he himself will be saved, yes, through fire. In other words, everything they live for is just burned up. The last and final point today is to give God your future. Jason and the team, if anyone come up. Hannah, if we can go back to her, Hannah, said, for this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore, I have also lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worshiped the Lord there. She cried out, there was a delay, and she cries out, God, give me a child. And God brings this child into her life. And after the process of time, I think if I remember right, he was two years old, she brings him to the tabernacle and dedicates him to the Lord. And, and and Samuel would become a priest who would be a prophet. And God would change a generation through him. But, but to do that, she had to give him back to God. She had to give her promise to God. She had to trust him with what he had provided. She had to... This is amazing to me that she has such a a faith in the Lord that, that she says, the very thing that I've been crying out to, God, I give back to you. And what if we would give God our future? When everybody else is worrying, we would be trusting. We would be believing the promise of God. When, when, when people are living for something short-term and temporary, you are living for something eternal. I, I think this year, I mean, we've, we've had, Several words and encouragement and, and I, I shared what God gave me last week for this year. I just believe we're gonna see families restored this year. We're gonna see some impossible things. Just just Hannah, it was impossible what happened. But God made it possible. So what do we do? We give God our future. We give God our promise. God was looking God looked at the generation He saw the compromise of Eli and his sons God said I want to send a Samuel and He looked and saw a woman who was moved with a holy desperation her her why her reason why her desire exceeded Eli's misunderstanding and mistreatment exceeded Penina's criticism and provoking. And yet, she cries out to God, and God found the very one who is crying out with the desire of her heart, and heaven sent the desire of his heart. What if God could take your answered prayer this year and change your family? What if God could take your answered prayer this year and move you forward? What if God could take your answered prayer and change North Iowa? I think God's looking for some Hannah's right now, men and women who are crying out to God, saying, God, I'm not gonna stay in the status quo. I'm not gonna stay stagnant. Here's what I'm believing for you in 2023. Here's what I'm praying for. I'm praying for my kids. I'm praying for my wife. I'm praying for my spouse. I'm praying for our city. We can see a generation change just like they did he's looking for some Hannah's would you stand to your feet I want to pray with you today as we close you weren't created to stand still you weren't created to stay stuck I don't know if any of my six reasons why line up with any of yours Maybe I gave you a couple new ones. But why do you want freedom? Why do you want change? There's nothing impossible for God. He's a healer. He's a deliverer. He sets free. So many, just this week, so many testimonies of lives transformed, of people being set free by Jesus, people being healed, just, just a couple days ago, someone I know close had a tumor and after a series of testing that kept seeming to be getting worse, the last one, they checked again and the tumor was gone a week from their last scan. Completely gone. What could Jesus do in your life? What could God do in your life? What, What could happen if you would give him your future? I'm gonna ask our prayer team to come down. What could happen if you would give God your family? What would happen if you would give God your business? What would happen if you could give God your job? What could happen if you could give God your marriage and your singleness and whatever it is that concerns you and say, God, I'm gonna trust you and I'm gonna invite you into my situation. What if God could birth a Samuel? What if God could change history and he could do it through you? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. We're going to be out of here in just a moment. But I want to ask you a very important question. It's the most important question, if I could say it that way. (laughs) Is Jesus your foundation? Because we can build and we can live for ourselves and we can do all kinds of things. We can accumulate. We can, we can strategize and we can plan and we can goal set and all that's fine. But, but the only thing that lasts is a foundation of Jesus. The only thing that saves is having Jesus at the foundation. The only thing that can change my life is Jesus. The only one that saves, forgives, redeems, restores. And the amazing thing about Jesus is he redeems anyone who comes to him. He restores anyone who comes to him doesn't matter how far you've been. It doesn't matter how much wrong you've done. You come to Jesus and he can restore and he can set free and he can give you a future and a hope today if you need that. I don't want us to move past this moment. This can be the most important Sunday, most important year of your entire life because you're building with the right foundation. And it starts with Jesus. It starts with giving our heart to him having Him as our Savior and Lord of our life. And if you've never done that, I want to give you that opportunity by praying a very simple prayer, a prayer of faith. But I, I also want to say, if there's anyone that's, you've been a Christian, but you've been far from God, there's been a distance, there's been a disconnect, and, and you realize, I need to come back, I need to come home, I need God in my life again, I need a foundation of Jesus. I want to live for what matters. I want to live for eternity. If either of those are for you, for the, for the first time or to rededicate your life to him, I want you to respond to God right now. Part of faith is our response. It's us saying yes to him. If you're in here and you want to say yes to Jesus for the first time or to rededicate, would you just lift your hands to God? Could just be one hand. Just say, that's me. I need Jesus in my life. Is there anybody else? This is a new beginning for you. You're gonna be free in Jesus' name. And I'm gonna lead you in a very simple prayer right now and I'm gonna ask every believer in here to pray this with me. Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Be my savior. Be Lord of my life. I give my heart to you. I surrender my life to you. I surrender my past. I surrender my present. And I give you my future. Jesus be Lord of all. In your name, amen. Jesus saves. He makes all things new. He really does. Some of you got some peninas right now. You need to stop listening to them. You got a promise it's bigger. God's called you to greater and called you to higher. Don't get stuck in the weeds. Today, if you need prayer in your life, your family, I want to encourage you to come down. It would be our honor and privilege to pray with you today because we serve a miracle-working God. We serve a faithful God. If you need to receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit to be empowered in your walk with God, we want to pray with you because I believe that God wants to empower you to do the things He's called you to do in 2023. It's not a year to be on the sidelines, but on the front line and your calling and your purpose to see your family one for Jesus. We love you guys. Thank you for worshiping. We trust this message encourages you in faith and in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about River City Church, find us on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co.